0: Let me begin uh, by asking you a few questions. So here's the first. How many of you can remember a time when you were generous, you were nice, uh, you, were, uh, you did something really good for someone and they had no idea it was you? Like you did it covertly, you did it in secrecy. How many of you have done something for someone and they still don't know that it was you? Anyone? Okay. Okay. Now, now, here, just think about these questions in your head. How did that, how did that feel? How, 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 you know, most of us, we enjoyed it, but why did we enjoy it? Now, let me ask you in the same vein, um, was it hard not to have them know it was you? Was that kind of hard? Was there something in you that was like, they might find out, and if they did, it'd be fine? Right? Anyone? Yeah, we do that. Okay, how many of you, but you're... You're kind of the opposite person. You're the kind of person who does something nice, generous uh, for someone and, and you go out of your way to make sure they knew it was you. How many of you, you're that person where you even get like offended uh, you know, hurt if they don't say thank you or someone doesn't notice it was you uh, because that was really important to you. You wanted you wanted them to be like, it was you, it was me. You wanted that. How many of you, that's you, that's your. That's me. Just, you know, I'm the guy, I, anytime I do anything at the home for my wife, I'm like, hey, babe, did you notice I did the dishes? Yeah, good. You need a medal? Kind of, you know, I do. But that's me, okay? Now, you're like, why is he asking these questions? Here's why we're doing this. So we are in a series as a church. So we, we like to go through books of the Bible normally, but this summer we're doing a series uh, where we're talking about how we grow spiritually by engaging and enjoying God through uh, spiritual disciplines. Now, if you're totally new to the church and the Bible, like we all once were, spiritual disciplines are basically how Jesus lived his life with the Father when he was here and how he modeled for us how we live our lives. So historically, spiritual disciplines are like Bible study, prayer, uh, you know, fasting, And today, it's a a unique one, but we're gonna show you how Jesus teaches it. And today, the discipline is the discipline of secrecy, the discipline of secrecy, all right? So you're gonna be really equipped today, so now you know the spiritual discipline. And here's what it is. I'm just gonna tell you what it is, and then I'm gonna tell you why you need it, and then we're gonna unpack it in the Bible. So the secret, the spiritual discipline of, of obscurity or secrecy is where you intentionally refrain from having your good deeds, your service, or your generosity known, It's you don't announce it, no one even hears about it. It's where you deliberately avoid earthly praise, affirmation, fame, attention. Why? In order, okay, we're talking about how do you grow spiritually, in order to cultivate within your heart and life humility and true love for God. So the discipline is where you are doing it to be seen by God and God alone that you're living your life for God just to be seen by God. That is the spiritual habit of secrecy. Now, before we pray and we get into it, and this is what we normally do every Sunday, um, I, I wanna tell you, I'm so excited about this one. Okay, I was kind of nervous. I was like, you're preaching an outdoor service on the most obscure and weird topic, the spiritual discipline of secrecy. But here's why I'm so excited about what I want you to hear and what God wants to do in your life. And that is this, one of the greatest killers in your joy in God, and ultimately, if you're not a Christian, any human happiness, one of the greatest killers is spiritual pride. Spiritual pride, or to put another way, being addicted to the approval and the applause of man. I don't mean to ask you too many questions as an introduction, but how many today you would say, James, wow, this is my struggle. Like namely right now, you can think there's someone, and it may just be your own self, but someone whose opinion, whose gaze, whose praise, whose affirmation is is, is an obsession, is a need, uh, it, it, it drives you. If I could only just have um, her approval of my beauty or his uh, acceptance of my success, then I would be healed. How many of you have someone, someone just came to mind and you think if I could get their accolades, I I would be healed. I would be validated. Then I would know I'm a good parent. Then I would know I'm a good person. Where, where, Where for you, this person controls your happiness. And if you get their you know, applause, you feel happy. You come home and you go, I'm so happy. You know, today was such a good day. I got, but all the while it was a good day because you got their praise. If that's you and you're stuck, because no one loves that. No one loves someone having too much power with their words, too much approval in what drives them. And you want to be, free from that. You want to be liberated from that. This spiritual discipline, when you're doing it, can heal you. It can heal you from that. Now, now, how many of you here would say, James, like, I don't even want to be obsessed with them. Like, I don't, I don't want that. If that's you, I want you to just hear what the Bible has to say about why we're doing this discipline, all right? So if you have any fear man issues, which is everyone here, this is a good sermon for you, okay? Good. You guys look hot because it's really hot out. All right. Let me pray. It's gonna sound like I'm yelling at you the whole time, okay? but I'm not, I'm just trying to project. Parents, you're killing it out there. Awesome, let me pray, and then we're gonna get into the spiritual discipline. Jesus, I thank you that you are here, that you are the glory that is most satisfying. You're the glory that you came to restore our glory, that we lost in our sin, that ultimately our parents had and they lost, and we just, we're hungry. We want, we know life is more than this. We want to have life and meaning that lasts. And, and we're, we, we seek for it, not because that's sinful, but we seek for it in the wrong things. And I just, I pray that as we, we look at a spiritual discipline that you taught, that you warned your disciples, that Jesus, you would do the same today as you taught on the Sermon of the Mount. So I pray Holy Spirit, that you would help me teach and preach. Uh, in a way that's clear and helpful and use it, I pray. Use it as you have in my own life and continue to use it in my life. And so I just I pray that you would, you would work miracles this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if, if you uh, are taking notes, no, no one takes notes anymore, but if you are, or you wanna help follow along in the sermon, we're gonna look at what is the essence of this spiritual discipline. And so if you're a short church, you're in this series, you wanna to get to know these things, you wanna practice these things, so we wanna know what is it uh, and then what, what kind of fruit, what kind of practical steps can I do to to form this habit of secrecy in my life? So the first thing we got to know uh, is what is it? And so uh, in the back of your handout, or if you have a Bible, uh, we're, we're going to be in this main passage, Matthew 6. This is where Jesus teaches on it. So you all, if you don't have one of these, uh, our ushers will run around and grab, give you one but it's good for you to see uh, the text. Okay, never, never just listen to what a preacher says if he can't show you what he says is from the Bible. Okay, here we go. So what uh, we're asking in this heat, by the way, if you need to get water at any point, I won't just get it because it's gonna be hot. Uh, we're asking, what is the essence of this spiritual discipline? So l- let's just begin. Jesus begins this way, Matthew 6, verse one. He says this, beware, so the first thing you need to know is this is a verb. This is a verb. This word means be alert to, uh, be on guard. So have in your mind an action. I, I gotta put this habit into my life. This is where we get the discipline of the spiritual discipline. So he says, beware, beware of what? Beware of this, of practicing, of doing your righteousness, being a good person, being a holy, devoted person before other people. Why? In order to be seen by them. And then notice Jesus says, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Now I want you to notice, Jesus does not say to his disciples and those on the mountain and to us, it's wrong to be seen living out your faith. So later he's gonna use examples of prayer and fasting. It's not wrong to be seen, but rather he says it's wrong, beware of doing those good works, praying, enjoying God, blessing others, fasting, giving, in order to be seen. So he hasn't told us why, but he's told us to beware of that. So if Jesus is God and he is, he knows how he's made human beings, this is the only way for human flourishing. So he's telling you right now, even if you're not a Christian, you go, okay, I'm gonna take you out your word. You believe God is God. He's the God of the Bible. At least you're here and you're going, okay, so teach me, Jesus. So he says, beware of doing this. Now, that's all we're, we're, we're there. So, so far, I wanna point out though, just a few verses. He says this, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. So it's really important, especially if you're a Christian and guilt is something you struggle with all the time. Jesus is not saying it's not wrong to see your good works because he says, give glory to your father who's in heaven. The issue for Jesus is doing to be seen, which is why he goes on to explain, look down at your, your verses. He says this, thus." When you give, so speaking of resources and money, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, okay? You know, you don't wanna come in and be like, look at my gift to you. You know, do you see what I see? It's, you know, okay. Sometimes when a pastor writes a joke in there and it doesn't land, he feels it. But I'm not doing it to be seen. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm not doing it to be seen. Uh, Check your heart. Okay, so here we go. uh, Sound no trumpet, so he's like, don't do that, don't, don't do that as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Why? Look at the verse, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. Now look at the next verse in your handout. He goes on in verse 16 and he says, and when you fast, so speaking of this spiritual discipline, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be what? Seen by others. He says, truly I say, they've received their reward. What's his point? His point is, if you aim, if the reward in fasting and giving in being godly and active as a Christian is the praise of man, the adoration of man, that will be all you get. That's where it ends. You've got your reward. If you were doing it for that, you got it. End. You weren't praying to get God, you were praying to get noticed. You weren't giving a response of worship when you gave as a, as a thankfulness to all that God's given you, you were doing it to secure a reputation. This is why he calls it hypocrisy. And so follow me here. How do we cultivate within our hearts humility and true love for God? Jesus says, do those things, live for him with an eagerness and a passion. And here's the key, to be seen by God alone. If you want healing in your life, do those things to be seen by God alone. So here's what he just said, our joy, and that's what we want, our happiness, namely in God, but in a life lived for God, should be marked by an eagerness to do what we do for his eyes alone, to be content to live for an audience of one, to have a heart not to be seen by man, but God. And let me just say, there's no discipline like the disciplines of abstinence, like secrecy and, and silence and solitude. They will check your heart. Jesus is saying, check your heart, beware. That's why you wanna put this habit into your Christian life, because spiritual pride will grow. It'll grow like a cancer. What he's saying is, is make the purpose and passion of your all that you do to be seen by God alone. Let him be your human resources. Let him be the one who gives the attention to it. The essence is you're saying, dad, look at me, father, watch this. You're doing it for God. Here's here's what John, here's what John of the cross uh, in his book, Dark Night of the Soul says. It says, beginners, so if you're, if you're new to Christianity, this is especially a warning. Beginners in the spiritual life are apt to become very diligent in their exercises. The great danger for them will be to become satisfied with their religious works and with themselves. He says, it is easy for them to develop a kind of secret pride. See, Jesus here, he knows the danger of the praise that comes from man. And he called it out all the time. And so he gives us instruction to test our hearts. And this is the essence of the discipline. So secrecy, when you say, I'm gonna deny myself attention and praise, what you're doing is you're teaching your heart to love the gaze of God more than the gaze of man. Are you with me on that? You're teaching your soul what will be more freeing to you is not people-pleasing and managing what people think of me, but loving what is most lovely, namely God. You want to love God more than the praise of man. And this discipline will go at that. Now, I need to say, uh, it should be said, that the Bible does call us to build one another up. Uh, There's nothing wrong with being encouraged and being complimented. But, but you can only check your own heart. So this is where your job is to check you. If that's what you seek most, if that's your highest end, the, compliment, the compliments, the, the affirmation, why you do what you do, we're in danger. Jesus says, and the heart will decay. It will decay of having more of God and, and it will decay into a life lived without God. So what secrecy, what secrecy says is, Jesus, you get to be the public relations department. You get to decide when deeds will be known, okay? So that's it. That's the essence of it. Now you know. So here's, here's what I want to talk about, though, before we get into practical steps. If you're not a Christian here, um, or maybe you're just asking questions, or you're new to the church, or someone invited you, and maybe you grew up and you have some issues with Christianity, um, we all have, and we've all been there, but I, I, I just wanna point some things out to you. Now, if, you're not, now, if you are a believer, then don't check out because one of the things you wanna do in your everyday life is go, how do I take this word out? I wanna learn what, what James is about to say, if it's true, and I wanna, I wanna help people notice these things. So here's, here's, the, uh, here's, my, here's my questions for you. Um, I, I can imagine someone saying, James, I kinda like this, I like Jesus's teaching. Um, I don't want to be obsessed with someone else's opinion of me. I think that's healthy. Most counselors, I would say, would say you, this person has too much power in your life, and and you got to work that out. And so, um, so you would agree with that. But all this God stuff and God's glory and enjoying God and and needing Jesus to to be uh, my righteous, my savior, all of that, you know, I can I can take some of this and not do with that. My my question for you is is uh, even if you say on the basis that matter is all there is, so if you're here and you're like, I, you know what, I don't really believe in a God. Um, I, I, I think I'm fine being content, living for an audience of one, which is me. I'm, I kind of, I'm fine with me being the center. Let me say two things. First, this whole premise of being good, of being a good human being, of doing good of blessing others. I mean, even what we're implying that that is the right thing to do, if you believe there is no God or the ultimate person to live for is you, um, I, I got some challenges for you. So here, here, here's what they are. If, if this life is all there is, my question is why do we long so deeply for something like glory, like approval, an approval that we want to last forever? You know, why is it that in the human being, like, you know, I'm, i think of my own kids who are like constantly going, dad, did you see this? Dad, did you see this? Why is that in there? It's just this, this eternal looking, doesn't end longing for approval. Why do we long so deeply for something in that worldview that doesn't exist or never did, like being fulfilled? to feel like we should be loved forever, to feel like what we do should go on and on? Why are there so many experiences that point beyond the worldview that, that this is all there is? And so if you're here and you say, James, I don't believe in God, but I, I do believe in human rights or every person should be equal and we should care for the weak and the poor. You know, I like that about Jesus. All I, I wanna point out to you, you're holding on to Christian beliefs. You already are that where you get that is, is from Christianity. So, so my question is why, for example, should you look at love and aggression, both are parts of life, both are rooted in our human nature and choose one is good and reject one is bad. So if you take love and aggression, why, why choose one as good and one is bad? They're both part of life. Where do you get a standard to do that? I mean, if there is no God or supernatural realm, it just, it doesn't exist. Here's how one put it. If we're just a decaying piece of matter in a decaying universe and nothing more significant than that, how does it follow that we should live a life of love towards others? I mean, why shouldn't we live as selfishly as we can and get away with it? How do beliefs in individual freedom, human rights, and equality arise from or align with the idea that human beings came to be what they they came to be through the survival of the fittest. If that's how we're about and the premise is survival of the fittest, it just, it doesn't work. So so here's my challenge. If your premise, there is no God, most naturally leads to conclusions that just don't feel like they're right or ultimate reality, they're not true, that moral obligation is important, that beauty is something and meaning and significance is eternal, then maybe consider changing the premise. Like, like maybe you're here because you're already stirring that up. Maybe you, there's a spot where God's saying they, there's a greater glory than you can get, that you're built for, that you were made to have. Why is there this glory hunger? And so, in the context of this whole sermon, I guess for all of us, my question is, why why? Why, why is the praise of man not enough? So here's what I'm saying in the sermon: getting our praise and ultimate glory from man not only doesn't work because you are, your soul's made for the glory that comes from God, if you keep finding it in yourself and man, it will terminate on itself because you're just going in a, in a circle. Let me, let me put it this way. One illustration uh, in his book, Glory, Hunger, J.R. Vassar, he tells of a time where he was in... Uh, uh, Myanmar in Southeast Asia at, at one of the biggest Buddhist temples, and he records this. Okay, here's what he records in a uh, in his book. He says a large number. He says I saw this. A large number of people, very poor and desperate, were bowing down to a large golden Buddha. He writes they were stuffing what seemed to be the last of their money into the treasury box and kneeling in prayer, hoping to secure a blessing from Buddha. He said on the other side of the large golden idol, scaffolding had been built. The Buddha was broken and was being repaired diligently. The Buddha had deteriorated and so a group of workers were working on it. He says, I took in the scene. Now this is not a comment on Buddhism, but let me just say, his point was, here's a bunch of broken people who are bowing down to a broken idol and asking the broken Buddha to fix their broken lives while someone else fix the broken Buddha. And I want you to, hear this living ultimately for our praise in man in the praise of man is no different think about it we are broken people looking to other broken people to fix our broken lives we're glory deficient people looking to other glory deficient people to supply us with the wholeness and the fullness that only God can give you and when you're looking to broken people, why you know uh, when we do these things for their praise and fear of man to provide for what they lack and they're probably doing with someone else, it's a fool's errand. And I don't want you to get stuck here. If we look to broken people to shore up our sense of self, so if you're asking someone to satisfy the very thing that you lack and they lack, Think about it. One of the greatest benefits of Christianity is not needing to lift yourself anymore, to live for yourself. In fact, I mean, it's, it's here on your handout, the, the third verse. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. It has the center in us it's what drives us. It's where we get our identity. It's what fuels how we see the world. But what, what about the love of Christ? He says this, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all that. Those who live might no longer live for themselves, might no longer need the ultimate praise to be in them and glory and the self and the the addictions of what's behind our emptiness, but for him, this is why Christ died. He didn't die just so that you can feel good about you and you can have a new forgiven start. He he died so that you can have God. He wants you to have God. The greatest enjoyment and purpose of your life is to know and enjoy God, period. That's what you'll do forever. That's why Christ died for you, to get you to God. But listen to this. It's not just a relationship, it's a, it's a whole life to live for him who for their sake died and was raised. So if you're a Christian, don't think that you're forgiven, loved and accepted by the father so that you can now start feeling more wonderful about yourself. In fact, like I just said, it's, it's to reorient us to God and feel wonderful about him. So I'm preaching a lot, it's getting really hot. So let me land the plane by, by asking you a few questions, okay? do you want to be seen by God alone? This is a heart question. Only you can answer it. Do you want to be seen by God alone? Friends, guests, Shore Church, this is how you'll get healing into your heart. When being seen by God alone is enough, when it's enough, When his gaze is your pleasure, it's the reason. So here's some practical principles. So here's number two of the effects and and some practical steps. So here's, excuse me, some practical principles. Number one, ready? When you give, serve, love, do anything in need for others, do it in a way that there will be no temptation for the receiver to glorify you. So, so here's how you do this discipline. You you wanna give, love, serve in a way that that person cannot glorify you in any way. Even deeper, here's my challenge for us all. Wake up, or even after the gathering, or even right now, but wake up in the morning and ask the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit, we believe in Christianity, there's one God who exists in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When, when Jesus died for you and you put your faith that his sin I mean, that your sin went on him and he died in your place, that your judgment day happened on the cross. The Bible says you become spiritually alive. That's not a new you spirit. That's the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. He comes into you. So now you have God's spirit, if you're a Christian, in you. This is why all of the everything changes because God's spirit's in you. So pray and ask God's spirit who's in you, Holy Spirit, make me aware of when I'm trying to fish for approval today. Just ask him. Like, I dare you to ask him. So Holy Spirit, show me where I love the approval of man, the recognition of man more than you. Okay, in that, pr- in that prayer, say, God, you get to decide when my deeds will be known. Now, those of you who are mature, meaning you've been a Christian for a while, you need this habit with urgency. I honestly, in all my Christian experience, I've never met someone when I was like, hey, what are you doing this week? Well, I'm practicing the spiritual. Actually, why would they tell me if it's a secret? But- I, we don't see Christians doing this one a lot. You know what I'm saying? So here's why you need this the most. You know how to play church. Like you know how to come into a gathering like this and you know how to, you know, mm, pass, mm. like, you know, you know how to play. You know how to like, when to raise your hand. You've, if you've been around Christianity for a while, you just know how to play the game. But when the, when the door is shut and you're in your room by yourself at night, he's not there. Like it's, you, you can do great things for God and he, Him be secondary. You, you can be a blessing to others and, and not be feeding or nourishing your own soul. So, this is why this is a danger for you, which is why it was a danger for the Pharisees. You got to come into this and practice. It's a gift, it's the sweetness of the Holy Spirit where He ignites in your heart to go, I want to do this for God. When no one is saying, How's your fasting going? He's my sufficiency. Don't measure your love for God on your horizontal works. So here, here's what you need to know. I'll ask you this, do you, do you know how you're gonna get healing at work? Do you know how you're gonna get healing at work? Here's how how you'll get healing at work. When you want and act to be seen by God alone. How am I gonna get healing in my addiction to success? How many of you are, you're addicted to success and you know it's an addiction. It's not a healthy, I wanna be successful and do things. It, it haunts you, you need it. How are you gonna get healing? Want an act to do it to be seen by God alone. How are you gonna get healing in your craving for control? Want an act to be seen by God alone. Do you want your marriage to be healthy? every person who's married is like, yes. So here's what this discipline will do. Wake up with a desire to be seen by God alone. Desire her, give for her, become her friend to be seen by God alone. Sacrifice for him, be kind in your words for him to be seen by God alone. So spouses, okay, you got some homework and you got to call each other on it now. So you're welcome. Do one thing, here's my challenge, for your spouse this week without them knowing it was you. Okay? All right, you guys, all of you. You married? One thing for your spouse, and they don't know it was you. What would it look like to love her for the gaze and joy of God? Now, here's another one. I dare you. Um, Do one thing for your parents this week. For God, not for you. So do one thing to be seen by God, where there's no praise, there's no, there's no, hey, did you see this, mom? No, okay, and I'm not talking to children, okay? I'm talking to the adults right now. I'm talking about your elderly parents, okay, to your mother-in-law. Mine's coming on Wednesday, okay, pray for me. I'll tell you how it goes. Uh, but my goal is I'm gonna do one thing for her. Now Nikki's gonna hold me to it. Ah. Uh, I'm gonna do one, she won't know. It's gonna be great, but you'll know because I'll tell you all about it, um, but let me say this, if you're here and you find, I'm almost done, I know it's hot, five days out of seven, if you're trying to make yourself look better than others or you're trying to recommend yourself or you're trying to create this you know, self-esteem resume, if that's, if that's in your soul, every five out of seven, if you're too much in your head about you and all your surfing your Instagram stories is really about you, do this discipline. Do it. And when you do it, say, Lord, I'm wanting you to change my desperate need to fill my sense of inadequacy and emptiness. I have everything I need in you. Teach my soul, your gaze is enough. Thank you that in you, I have my identity. I praise you that your resume became mine on the cross. Your opinion is the only opinion that I need and you love me. Father, help me to believe this. Help me to believe Jesus' death for me took what was not good to make me good, that his life was lived and it was given to me that as if God sees me in Jesus, he sees a perfect resume. I don't have to live for myself anymore. I wanna be seen by God and God alone. Jesus, you had all the commendation from the Father. I, because of my sin, was under condemnation. You need to know that. If you're not a Christian and you're here and you're just asking questions, when we ignore God or push him out of our lives and we do those things from a heart that doesn't want God but wants us to be in the center, that's called sin and we will pay for our sin. And so we, it is true that there is condemnation, that there is judgment for sin. The essence of the gospel is that God the Father loved us so much that he was condemned in our place. He took our judgment day on the cross so that he could give us the Father's commendation. Jesus lived the perfect life. And when he died, he died for our sin in our place. And he gives us the perfect life so that when God sees you, he doesn't see your old life or your future life, he sees Christ's life over you. This is the gospel, you're accepted and approved by God on the basis of Jesus, life, death, and resurrection, period. And all your joy and all your growth will be in Jesus. And and so you're freed from that guilt and shame in Christ. It's exciting, but you're praying, Father, I don't, I don't live that way. I don't believe that I'm loved and accepted because I'm still trying to find it in broken people. When you do this discipline, give God your heart. We've been talking about this a lot, but this is a heart issue. Ben, you guys can come up. Um, but here, here's, here's my ask, um, that you would check your heart on my, the next sentence I'm gonna say. Do you believe all that matters is God? and that there's no greater love, there's no greater attention, there's no greater affection than to have the I, the love, and the life of Jesus' grace and mercy in you and forming you. Do you believe that? There's no greater, if God exists, that would be true. There's no greater love, there's no greater affection, there's no greater attention, there's no greater joy to be had in this life than to have that in God, and you do. And you get to spend your whole life enjoying that pleasure in how great God is. And so these spiritual disciplines, they're designed for us to get into that river. That river is. And so there's times we've got to teach our souls, here's life, here's fullness. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus today, you can believe in him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him. Believing is to say, Yes, I, I have pushed you out of my life. I have sinned and I do feel this, whatever this feeling is of like, I don't like that and, I, and I, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry, will you forgive me? That cry is a cry of the spirit where you trust in Jesus and you're forgiven. You're accepted, you're brought into a new family. You can believe in Jesus today. You say, well, we're about to sing here, Jesus, I believe in you. And the spirit comes into you. We'd love to give you a Bible. We, have, we handed out these last week, we have nine left. If you don't have a Bible or you're starting, you're asking questions about Jesus, we'd love to give you one. Um, but here it is, I'll close with this sentence. The essence, if we perform for man's praise, you'll receive it and that's all you get. The promise here is if you do it for God, you get the greatest reward, God. You get more of Him. So as we respond, we're gonna stand. Will you stand with me now? We're gonna have uh, some people come up here and they're gonna be ready to serve you communion. Communion is a a physical uh, symbol representation of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus where his body and blood were, were broken and shed for us. And so we come and we take by dipping the bread in the juice based on your conscience or wine and you, you take it in and just like Jesus died for you, are taking that in. But my challenge to you as we respond now is that you would surrender. And what I mean by this is that you would surrender where man's praise is greater than God's. Like you just surrender, you tell him, you go, God, I've been living too much for my own praise and I've never been living to be seen by you alone. Just surrender that, just say that to him. Surrender where you've been trusting and being good. Some of us trust way too much in our being good rather than in what Jesus has done to forgive and fulfill us. But whatever it is, whatever you felt the Holy Spirit stirring in your life, this time is where we get to go before God outside, which is really beautiful, and talk to him, commune with him, and then make a plan when you're gonna do this this week while you respond with God, okay? Let me pray. Father God, thank you that you're real, that you are here. We love our city, we thank you that we can be here. We pray that you would use us as lights, that they may see our good deeds and glorify you. And I pray, Father, for those who are just so in this cycle of no purpose in finding the glory that comes from God, forgiveness that comes from God, approval that comes from you, but they're just finding it in themselves and being healthy and working out and, and getting these friend circles and. I just pray those are good things, but they're not ultimate things. So I pray you'd use us to help people see that the greatest glory they were built for is God. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.